You're now locked into Zone 32. Grant Durflinger, Jake Miller. Only on NeutralZoneInfraction.com. NCI Properties. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest installment of the Zone 32 podcast. This is Jake Miller reporting with my man Grant. What it do? The boys are here. You know what it is. All right. So a lot, we got some things to talk about, some Ravens things to talk about, including a barn burner of a game that occurred last Monday night between the Ravens and Browns. Grant, I'll yes. start with you. Yo, Give me your thoughts. Man. All of your thoughts. Oh, gosh, dude. Okay, so I got, like, some different aspects of this game. Like, so I don't have any nails left, which is a bad habit. I need to cut that. Uh, I paced so much that if I wore, like, a pedometer, the thing would have broke. Like, I was pacing, like, three hours before the game anyways. But, man, what is what a game, dude. Like, what a game. And you know what? The, the thing that made me more excited than anything, not only because it was a divisional rival, but we finally overcame the hump of winning those close games and making the big play at the end of the game. It's always against us and us. But, you know, it's always against the Ravens. Like, it's, it's you know, it's we're that team that – you know, the infamous Swiss Peas defense, you know, let's prevent 12-yard soft coverage. We're just going to let them just dink and duck. But guess what? Those guys get paid. They can move. If you miss one tackle, you're turning a 12-yard gain into a 24-yard gain. So, like, we came over that hump. Defense was still super uh, – not still because they played well early in the year, but the past two weeks they've been a little suspect. Cowboys made me nervous because it was a bad offense, broken line, bad quarterback, great skill players. But – um they made them look good and then you know baker baker gets a lot of hate and stuff but man i, I don't know about you but you know I, I think that he's got the intangibles he just doesn't have the focus and now he's starting to kind of get that focus um but out man what a win i mean i know you were probably chalking it up too you were like you know <laughs> okay so for the first browns touchdown i was pretty calm i was just kind of i had just finished cooking dinner and everything so i was just sitting down made a bet on the game because my uncle likes to give group because he's a Raiders fan and he yeah. wants to double for no, double or nothing with me Jim Boy's tacos. All right, sure, whatever. So the Browns score, I'm like, all right, that's that's fine. I mean, they're doing what they're doing. And then the Ravens answered back. I was surprised, but not entirely surprised, but a little surprised with how well we ran the ball against their defense. I mean coming yeah. into the coming into the game, the Browns have been real like even historically, the Browns have been real aggressive in terms of stopping the run. Their linebackers try to hit every gap, but they didn't play very disciplined. So. Well, and their D-line, man, Sheldon Richardson's been playing lights out this year defending the run. I mean, he's been a hog in the middle. That whole that whole front is real, real nice. And it yeah. starts but I'm with you. I was nervous, too, about the run game. And, you know, the cool thing and kind of, like, go on that is, like, what I was reading this article earlier that Harbaugh was saying. And, like, the thing that makes me praise Mark Ingram more than anything is his ability as a professional and a leader and to have fun. And they were asking him about, you know, you only got one touch. It was the first play of the game on the flea flicker that was, you know, kind of bot- that was botched. And they were like, you know, how, he's like, man, I'm, you know, he's like, I'm here. He's like, if we win, he's like, I'm going to be there when my number's called upon. Man, you got a guy that's been a pro bowler that gets one touch in a game and he's still got juice in the tank. And like, you know, that mentality, dude, it just made me like elevate my thoughts on Mark Ingram completely as a professional and as a player, bro. I love him. He's all, he's been that way in New Orleans too. He's about his teammates. He was there for Alvin Kamara when he was coming up, and even in an interview when he first got to Baltimore, I think it was on NFL Network. He was talking about all the love he has for everyone in the Saints organization. It was time to move forward. And he was happy as hell. 
that dude's the exact kind of dude you want in the locker. He brings yeah. the morale. He and TJ and Eric Weddle, those are the kind of dudes you want in the locker room to keep bring everybody together. And they have a, he, hell, yeah. a hell of a lot of fun. But yeah, he's Captain Troy. He's Captain Troy. Absolutely, he is. And he's a, <laughs> he's about his boys. But yeah, the running game was there. And then they weren't passing the ball much. But I mean, that was fine. That was what it was. And later in the end of the game, we see Lamar Jackson pull a quick Willis Reed after taking a dump and hitting that, hitting that pass to Hollywood Brown for. Oh, no, no, he's not. No, hold on, hold on. He, he ain't Hollywood. He's still Marquise. I, I got I to gotta step back on that. He hasn't earned his nickname yet. So he threw the 44-yarder to Marquise Brown, who actually caught it this time. I actually had him relegated to Zygote at one point because he wasn't catching the ball. But he did when he needed to. And then Lamar yeah. led that clutch drive at the end with Justin Tucker in the game win the field goal. It was a beautiful day and a beautiful game. To get to your point on Baker, coming out of college, I liked him a lot. He's an, asshole. He's an asshole kind of player, and I like that because you can get your team to rally around you, especially when you're playing real well. So He's got that moxie. Yes, he does. He most definitely has. He's got a swagger about it. And when he's playing well, the team gravitates to that kind of moxie. But I was, you know, it's telling, too, seeing that passing game more be more efficient without OBJ. So Yeah. Well, and you mentioned a second ago about, you know, the lack of passing on the Ravens side. I mean, what a testament to the game that we did on the ground with that, you know, makeshift offensive line that's really starting to gel. I mean, to to put up 47 points on the board and only pass 17 times is pretty insane. Absolutely. It's a testament to how well they run the ball, how much they believe in each other. And, yes, them opening up running lanes for first and second down. It's not, not always consistent. It's not always pretty. But it works, and when it works, it really works. Like and JK's getting that look in his eye. Yes, he's getting he is. That look in his eye. You start getting him moving, and he starts getting that confidence, and you start getting him snaps and more snaps in the NFL. He comes playoff time. We make a run. We go to the playoffs. You know, let's all pans out. He's somebody that in cold weather games, he is going to be a nightmare for defenses because him putting that pop in the chest with his like low center of gravity, he's going to wear defenses down. And then you got Gus to worry about. Like, what do you do with those two? And that, then you got Mark Ingram. But I mean, I'm just thinking about the, the kind of one two punch that they're rolling with right now. And then you got to worry about Lamar. It's like, man, I like Roman's creativity that he started to do. Um, who was it? Uh, Baldy did a breakdown on his touchdown run. And Roman used the read option in a reverse concept on the counter. And that's what opened it wide open. So they went away from the pulling side. And Lamar had the lane with the two pulling guard and tackles versus the counter side. And, man, he hasn't really – he's starting to kind of open up a little bit more. And something like that, as little as it was, it was good to see him get out of his comfort zone a little bit. You know, we're used to seeing the, you know, the Greg Roman. He's got a six-play playbook, it seems like. That's the truth. You're not wrong about that at all. I saw that breakdown on Twitter. Baldy does a great job with everything. Yeah, I love Baldy, man. Yeah, he's fantastic. But yeah, the defense has me concerned. But that being said, there is a little bit of relief in that. Once Jimmy and Marcus Peters got banged up, that's when Baker really started taking off. Before then, he was getting nothing except for when they went to zone. Yeah, That was silly. But I mean, the defense is a concern because they've given up uh, several. They've given up several like double digit point leads through this season well not several but more than a few who double digit leads like against Tennessee and like in this game but the difference is Lamar came through clutch when he needed to 
And there were some factors too in there that, you know, we kind of like, you know, as you know, more in-depth football watchers, you know, there, there's some things in there that countered to that too. You know, Lamar being out for a little over about almost about a quarter, you know, turned into a lot of short fields for the Browns, a little bit momentum swing in that way. Then, you know, in the first half, they got Browns got bailed out by two bullshit pass interference calls on third down that would have ended the drive that they end up scoring touchdowns on. So, you know, like there's a couple factors in there that I think that if if those things didn't happen and Lamar didn't go to the back, then I think that that game was going to be a lot uglier than the 30, you know, the what was the opening game, 36-7? Yeah, it was 38-7 to seven the first week. Hey, no, you're not wrong about that at all. I should know it was 38-6. to six. I'm tripping. It was the 38-7 to seven game was when they played Pittsburgh. But nonetheless, absolutely right. Those pass interference calls were a crock of shit. Dude, that one on Marlin was bad. Yes, it was. Absolutely. God. They yeah. had Prez and all kinds of people on Twitter saying, what are you talking about? Like, what is that? They're like, just let them play. And then you can hear, even hear the uh, the commentators in the game. They were like, man, there's a lot of dirty laundry. And that was like the beginning of the second quarter. So it's like when they're already talking about that, and you're in the second quarter. Yeah, exactly. And the funny thing was they missed the offsides of Marcus Peters when they called all the ticky-tack calls. So Him and uh, Derek Wolf. There was one where Derek Wolf's head was on the shoulder of the center. <laughs> the lack of consistency is what gets frustrating about these officials. I mean, that is what it is. He was actually, I believe he was the same official for the, um, it wasn't the deflate gate game. It was the game before the ineligible, eligible receiver game in 2014. Oh, you mean the one where they didn't report? Yep. Or say the last minute, I'm not eligible. And then they just get bamboozled because of some bullshit trickery. But let's not reflect on the past. This is a hell of a game. The lack of a pass rush is concerning, but hey, they will, they will get healthy. I'm optimistic yeah. about that. And they have three games to get better not get better but to yeah essentially perform better and actually show a semblance of a pass rush before the playoffs so yeah, the young guys are playing really well too i want to see queen step up a little bit he looks a lot he looks long he's so talented like his skill set but the game's just moving too fast for him right now and i mean people are expecting him to be a top three you know all pro linebacker as a rookie man like give the dude some time like he didn't even have a, a preseason a training camp nothing and He's playing pretty damn well for a rookie that's playing arguably one of the toughest spots in on defense because he's the quarterback of the defense essentially. So you know he's got the, you know Chuck wears the green dot, but still when you run a defense, your your safety's not calling your line calls. You know what I mean? You're not calling your shifts, your motions, those types of things. So like you know that that's still a lot. And he's in he's in the spot. He just sometimes is too athletic and gets there too fast. So he overshoots the hole or you know like it's just little things that he tweaks, but yeah, I mean, I think the young guys are playing really well. How do you feel about potentially run? I mean, how do you feel? I mean, look at the schedule. It's any any given Sunday. But how do you feel about the potential of running the table right now? Well, this is a nice segue to get into this Sunday's matchup against the old Jacksonville Jaguars from Duval County. To answer the entire question, the answer to the entire question, I feel good about it. The Giants might be kind of a crapshoot, but even that being said, you saw them beat Seattle one week in Seattle. Then last week, they get embarrassed by the Cardinals at home, giving up five sacks to Hassan Reddick, who just went off, just destroyed Daniel Jones. But all things considered, I feel good about this, about these next three games. You beat the toughest remaining opponent on your schedule, so go get it done against Gardner Minshew, who looks a lot like Josh Brolin in No Country for Old Men. Then you got Danny Dimes or maybe Colt McCoy the next week. Get it done. And maybe Brandon Allen or Ryan Finley in Cincinnati when you got to th- fly through the Covington, Kentucky airport. 
still weird. Go. I don't understand. Why, why are you going to have a Cincinnati airport in a different state? I don't understand that. But that's neither here nor there. This is just me getting off on a tangent. Why is Kansas weird. City not in Kansas? Oh, there is a Kansas City in Kansas. The Kansas uh, City is in Missouri. There's just two different ones. They opted not to play in the Great Plains. The main Kansas City, then. <laughs> exactly. The one everyone... You know, my geography is like that. Exactly. No, I mean, it's, I, I just hate that we're that team, though, that plays down to competition. So, you know, regardless of who's back there, I mean, look at the Andy Dalton game. You know, we've seen the Charlie Batch games. You know, we've mentioned that before. Like, you know, we tend to... I don't know if it's like a coaching staff thing that kind of step off the throat sometimes, which we all kind of notice, but you know, we're not that team that's just going to go in and mop somebody. And when we do that, it's always teams that we shouldn't do that to. And that's atypical of a young team as well. Although this season, I don't feel like it's been that so much to a degree. Cause I mean, every team they've played with a losing record outside of the Patriots, they've beaten the brakes off of as they haven't been close games. Philly kept it close and that was it. That was literally yeah, that game game. Blowout. absolutely it should have been the was it Patrick Queen who dropped that interception that might have gone to the house at that point. In oh the yeah, quarter. he was gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had he caught that again, it's it's a wash. It's what that was like a ninety-five yard. That would have been like a ninety-five yarder, and he's too. So I don't really see them catching him because he wasn't really in my position. Exactly. So all things considered, they their curse this year has kind of been more beating the brakes off the teams they should beat and losing close games to the teams that will give them a tough task. But all things considered, they've beaten two teams with the winning records this year, one of, one of which is the Browns, and another of which the people forget about is the Colts. They yeah, can do it. a great win. Absolutely. I was there, and I was there. It was beautiful. Colts fans are not bad. I'm not going to mu- lie. Mustache is coming back this week, so you think that's going to have anything to do with – I mean, they got a solid – you know, DJ Shark can ball. You know, they got some receivers, Keelan Cole – He's a type of receiver. I mean, I called it last week with Rashard Higgins. For some reason, the Ravens have an – it's not the nickel back thing or the dime. It's – for some reason, for as long as I can remember, the Ravens have the worst time defending tight ends and number three receivers. And, yep. like, you know, and Keelan Cole is that type of guy where he's kind of a little shifty and runs great routes, has great hands, good body control on the, on the you know, on the sidelines and stuff. And – you know he's he's the he's like the main guy that makes me nervous. Not too worried about James Robinson, but I also wouldn't be too surprised if you know he busted out a pretty good game just because his skill set is something that could you know depending on how Patrick McQueen plays, you know could could be a problem. Well, then I mean, plus you can add Lavisca Chenault, who's a great run after the catch, who's been for yeah. them. They haven't really targeted him too much in the passing game, but when he gets the ball in his hands, he makes plays. Colin Johnson's coming on strong for them towards the end. Though the thing yeah. you mentioned with Keelan Cole, as soon as Minshew came into the game, that's who he started targeting because Shark's been kind of banged up this year, so he hasn't been quite the same. But Keelan Cole's been eaten, so you're absolutely right on that. But yeah, yeah. So how do your Chenault situation? Yeah, he because he started really getting some looks, but then he got put on the COVID list, and that kind of derailed his momentum a little bit. But what's your uh, what do you think your game of the week is right now? Shoot, game of the week off top. Yeah, that's a good question. I can't I remember. Was, I was thinking about that, and I was like, you know what? Like, you know, what? What is like the game of the week this week? Because there's really not like any particular, you know, dogged out matchup. Oh, hey, like, right. I earlier, I think mine. Is, it's got to be the Patriots and Dolphins. I mean, 
that's a game we do have to keep a close eye on because again, yeah. the Patriots win, the the Ravens get issued into the playoffs at that point, and they'll have a game advantage over the Dolphins, who have yeah. the better no other like matchups to really like. I mean, Bucks Falcons. That's not going to mean it's in Atlanta, so those Bucks go players on turf. So good luck with that. Well, you and, do got Chief Saints at the Dome. Yeah, Andrew, Andrew Brees has been activated from IR, or not activated from IR, but he's practicing with them again. So. Maybe he plays. If it's Taysom Hill, I don't give him a chance. Not at all. No disrespect yeah. to Taysom Hill, but actually no plenty of disrespect to Taysom Hill because I am a begrudged Alvin Kamara fantasy owner, and his fantasy numbers took a dip. Old Taysom Hill taking over. But that's neither here nor there. Kansas City's kind of running through everybody right now, even though last week was a closer game than really the – actually, yeah, that was a closer game. Originally, the Dolphins just kind of gut-punched them 10 to nothing. And then the Chiefs do what they do, and they scored thirty unanswered, which is crazy. Like, yeah, well, Dolphins got away from their game plan. So they were they got up and they were. I mean, uh, Devontae didn't even get a freaking catch. That killed me. And you know, like they had a, what's it? Uh, that rookie came out for them and looked really good too. Bowden, I actually picked him up in one of my leagues just to kind of stash and see how he does this week for potential. You know, like a flex next week because he had I think twelve targets last week. They got him playing running back and receiver. So, I mean, you know, he's definitely somebody I'm looking at right now. Uh, but, you know, that's going to be a solid matchup. And then, you know, I was thinking, you know, with uh, – I, I was talking back to the Dolphins-Patriots. But, you know, to the Saints-Chiefs point, I mean, Tyreek Hill on that turf, man, that might <laughs> – that dude might have 300. He almost did the other week. But he doesn't get to play on indoor very much in, in those domes. And that's some bouncy – that's some bouncy surface there. You know, you get somebody like him as electric as he is. Even McCole Hardman, too, you know. I don't know why they're not really using him as much as I thought they were. At the beginning of the season, he was like one of my sleepers. I kept him in my auction league from a free agency signing last year. And I was like, man, this dude's going to blow up this year because people are going to be focusing on Kelsey and uh, Tyreek. And I'm like, you know, he was explosive as a rookie. And they just haven't really involved him in the offense at all. Not at all. You're not wrong about that. He was one of my sleepers coming in to – the fantasies and Sammy Watkins still kept out tough. He just didn't really do much. He had the one game where he caught the one touchdown against Baltimore. And outside yeah. of that, he hadn't done much. He's been mostly a special teams return. And he's very good in part, as you saw from the return he had last week against Miami. But all things considered, yeah, on that fast track with those sprinters that Mahomes has to throw to on the outside, because Watkins can fly too. But all three of them, even to Marcus Robinson, he's not half bad. Uh, no, he's. I was actually getting ready to say because uh, Mahomes loves him. Mahomes yeah. targets him in a lot of big third downs and stuff. Which is interesting when you have Travis Kelsey to go to. The conventional wisdom is third down, you want to take away his target. Yeah. You mean it's, the NFL receiving yards leader, Travis Kelsey? That's tight as a tight end. That's badass as a tight end to be leading this late in the season in yards. Absolutely. And is Tyree Kill still number two right behind him? No, I think um, I think Diggs. No, no it wasn't. Kidding. No, it wasn't. Who? Uh, you might be right now because I was looking yesterday, and uh, I know it was Kel- it was Kelsey, and I I want to say I don't know why I keep thinking that Diggs was. I know Diggs is leading catches because he's got a hundred snags already, which is crazy. Absolutely, he kicked my ass last week in one of the leagues. And this crazy Beasley has what eighty something like that. Freaking Josh Allen has turned the corner, and he's become a completely different quarterback from what he was. So the the top five right now are Travis Kelsey at one with 1,250 yards, DK Metcalf at two with 1,180, 
Diggs at three with 1,167, Tyreek Hill four at 1,158, and D Hop at five with 1,155. So they're all like tight. Yeah, they're all real and real close. DK's taking a huge leap forward. And then Baltimore's leading receiver. <laughs> I'm guessing Willie Sneed at what, five, six hundred yards? Nope. Oh, damn it. Well, see. Well, Baltimore's leading receiver is Marquise Brown with 605 yards. Oh, well, there you go. He finally overpassed Willie Sneed. It helped when he got on the COVID list. So, hey, there you go. Good on you, Marquise. Yeah, I think he's uh, – and, and with him, you know, you know, I'm hardcore as you are and a lot of us are Baltimore trained offseason. And I think something like that is going to take Marquise to the next level because he's not a number one. He's not – you know, he's not one-dimensional, but he's not a number one. He doesn't have the physicality, the, you know, it's third and seven. I'm going to throw a 50-50 ball to you. I can trust that you're going to come down with it. Allen Robinson might be the best 50-50 baller in the game right now, and he fits so well. He reminds me of a faster, bigger, more athletic Anquan Bolton, which is crazy to say. But they have the same type of, like, dog mentality of attack ball and, like, Somebody like him is what this offense is missing. I mean, you have it at the tight end position, but the craziest thing with Mark Andrews to me is as athletic as he is, he gets no yak. No, like, he does not. You're right. And he jumps for everything. And so, and and when he does get a chance for yak, it's these hurdles, man. I'm so sick of the hurdles. He's cut down on them this year, but you know, I I need I want to see him as good as he is. If there's one thing I'd like to see more out of him, it's more yak. Without key and Nick get over there. Yeah. He had that good play, though, on that um, before the half when they had that score drive. He had good yak on that one. He made a good play to make the defender miss. And that throw by Lamar was underrated. People were trying to say he just kind of threw it up in the air. He fit that right in the hole of that zone. And he floated it. I mean, there was no other way that ball could have gone because of the way the defenders were closing in on him. I mean, he fit it in between three on that play. Which throw was this? The the play before the end of the first half when Lamar scrambled out right. He broke all those tackles in the in the in the pocket from the sacks, and then he scro- scrambled out and just chucked it down the field to Mark Andrews, and he took oh, it down yeah. to fifteen. He, that throw is so underrated that where it landed in the position of the ball and everything for Mark Andrews to be able to move up field like that was nuts. It's a play where he blocked the end and kind of went out, realized yeah. Lamar was under arrest, and he just took off. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of sat in the flat and then turned up field, which would have I been saying for the past like five weeks? That's the shit I'm talking about. When the play breaks down, improvise. And our receivers actually started to kind of do that a little bit this week. I noticed a couple plays. I saw Marquise do it a couple times. And it's like, man, it felt so good. I think they listened. You know what I mean? I think they listened to the podcast. I think they heard me raving on it, pun intended. And uh, <laughs> damn straight. That you're absolutely right about that. And that's what you need to do when the play breaks down. That's why Mahomes is so devastating in the Chiefs offense. You can get pressure on him, but if you miss and he's able to get out to his like to his right, those you can't cover those receivers all day. They're too they're too fast. Yeah. That's just what it is. So on in the event of a broken play, it's that's all bad. Especially with him having the touch he has and the arm that he has. He can just hit him in stride. It's ridiculous. Like I believe it was like the touchdown he threw to Tyree Kill. Week two against the Chargers. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, let's segue into the receiver side of it. The whole COVID thing. So with, you know, who's a Marquise Boykin and uh, Prochet went on COVID, but they said that they expect them to play because of the negatives. Um, I guess they've been tested negative, but they had maybe a close contact because I guess a coach tested positive or something. Yeah. And like my thing is, is 
you know, I want all well and I want everybody to be healthy and I'd be completely lying if I didn't get a little bit excited thinking about a three wide receiver set of Willie Sneed, Des Bryant, and Devin Duvernay. You're not wrong about that, especially with Sneed able to work the middle of the field and get open for it down. He's been real nice at making just like the catch he had for Sorley to yeah. send the drive right before Lamar came out. That was a nice heads up. Des, I've been wanting to see. I was hoping out to Indy be able to say I was there when he scored his first year. Hey, he it's was getting good. open, though. Lamar missed him on a couple. He was getting open. Yeah, he broke somebody's – was it against Tennessee? Yeah. If I remember right? Well, no. Yeah. Was it Tennessee or was sure it Pittsburgh? Was, I'm pretty sure it was Tennessee. Yeah, he was – because he was making plays, and he he was one of the dudes that Lamar was scrambling. He dragged into the field for the last drive of the game. I remember that. But, I think um, he scores this week. I think so, too. They're going to yeah. try to get him involved because they want to get him involved in the playoffs because I think he's going to be a key component that he's going to have to get some snaps in the playoffs with his blocking ability on the edge and his playmaking ability on those 50-50 balls. And he seems like he's kind of getting the – you know, it's, it's going to take a couple of games for him. He's been out for almost three years, you know. So um, I got I got faith in him. I, you know, I'm being optimistic about it. I'm hopeful as well. They need someone to make those kind of plays when it's coming around. You already know January comes around. Defenses tighten up. They make you have to make throws that you normally don't make. The season on the line, the game on the line. And that was the advantage for when we had Joe. He had yeah. the arm to make any throw on the field. January like, Joe. January Joe, that's exactly what he was. You need the deep out 18 yards down the field, I got you. The comeback is good, I got you. No worries. Y'all can hone in on the running game, and I can beat up these. I can eat up the single coverage once he got good. And he- How do you feel about the possibility of facing Pittsburgh in the first round? Let's go. Let's I want it. it. I want it. <laughs> I want it. I feel like I would have no. Pro- I would have thorough enjoyment watching the- we play them or we play Cleveland somehow, some way. Pittsburgh loses this week to the Bengals and loses out the rest of the way. I would thoroughly in the Browns for them because all this talking between Jarvis Jass and Mark Marcus Peters, that just yeah. creates compelling television. I'd be cool well, with that. And two, you know, crazy. I know they're added a spot this year, but let's say that the Browns, Ravens, and Pittsburgh playoffs, right? Has there been a division, like in your memory, that has had three teams make the playoffs as much as the North has in the past decade or two? No, that's a good question because that hasn't was, happened all was, that often. I think about that. I'm like, man, we might get another three team playoff. Yeah, it hasn't been the, it hasn't been the case in the, the South. Maybe, maybe the West. Maybe the one. Well, no. Actually, let's see. Because KC had some down years for a little while. They had oh, like- 2013, Kansas City, Denver, and the Chargers all made the playoffs there in San Diego. I remember that. That was the year Denver lost the Super Bowl to Seattle. That's the last time I can think of it. Before the um, before the Ravens, Bengals, and Steelers playoffs in twenty, because outside oh, of that, division of football, absolutely, consistently, consistently the toughest. Yes, absolutely. And the NFC North is no cakewalk. The Lions are nah. the redheaded stepchild because they deserve to be overlooked. They have a historically bad team. Yeah, but, they got clean house. Yes, they do, and they I mean they already have because listen, they fired Bob Quinn. If I'm not right, if I'm mistaken, I mean they need to let they need to let Stafford go on his way and go succeed somewhere. Oh no, question because they've been holding him back his entire essentially. Yeah, he's done enough for that city. They're not they're starting over again. It's not fair to him. You know they he needs they need to move on for him as respect for him. But as we know how that organization, you disrespect one of the most humble, nicest wide receivers and greatest wide receivers that we'll ever see in our lifetime. You treat him like dirt. What do you expect they're going to do with him, with Matt Stafford? So you know, doing that to Megatron is 
is, you know, if you do that to Megatron in the city of Detroit, you're going to do that to Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. Hell, think about Barry Sanders retiring early. He's, I didn't have a, he didn't have desire really in football outside of trying to take the Walter Payton. So that's what he said. That's why he retired. But I mean, Detroit has, they do that. They do that to their all-time players. It's unfortunate. That is what it is. And then you got teams like the Ravens that do nothing but honor like anybody that's, you know, given any type of blood, sweat, and tears to that organization is a testament to how lucky we are as fans to be fans of an organization like that too, um, where players want to come play for you. And, you know, you hear all the players that are, you know, had played with us before that are like, you know, in free agency, talking to free agents like Tony Jefferson, you know, when, when we cut him and he's out telling players to sign with us, he's like, bro, you know, bro, like you need to go there. Like that's, that's a top notch organization, you know, tight locker room, like, you know, they're winners. And that's just a testament to the organization, not only the players as, as people themselves and just being professionals within themselves, but like to have that, it's really cool to be a fan of an organization like that. Plus, think about the players who didn't start their careers here, but then they wanted to retire a while anyway. Like Derek yeah. Manson, Smith, Gahey. There's there's a who's who of players, or even players who started and then finished their career elsewhere and came back to retire, like a Jared Johnson. Yeah, and I mean, you know, and all those guys you're mentioning, there's one thing they all have in common. They're blue cow, they're blue collar dogs. You know, they're they have a certain mentality to them, and I'm also thankful that the organization I'm a fan of, you know, prides themselves in not having kind of that diva personality. Um, I'm all for being yourself and, you know, and I think the Ravens promote being yourself, but they have a culture and they have people that buy in and respect the culture and it's a business, but also it's fun. And, you know, all those guys that come here and all that, they all have that same type of, you know, I'm here to win a championship and, I'm going to beat the guy in front of me. Everybody else do their job. And, you know, I, I totally dig that. And, you know, that's why I feel good, like a lot of free agencies, because, you know, I could pick out five players that I really want, and I bet you the Ravens get one or two of them. And, you know, and and that's, that's you know, a luxury to have. Some teams don't eat, can't make moves. People don't want to go there. Like, you know, that's something that we don't really have a problem with. That's the truth for itself. And there, you're right. There are a lot of players who speak glowingly about their even the yeah. former Steeler Mike Wallace talks about his time in here. Yeah, Mike is a man. I love I loved when he came, dude. Before we go and before we end this, I'll ask you a question because I voice this in the chat and I'm actually real curious, and this is my opinion. Free age when free agency comes about this year with the COVID stuff and everything has gone down, I'm not so sure we see big contracts this offseason, especially with how many teams are hamstrung by the cap. What say you? I, I agree with you. Um, I've, I've read some articles where they're saying how the cap might not move. If not, it might go down a little bit because, you know, the cap is based off of prior, you know, revenue numbers from the league and teams and all that stuff. So, I mean, they're talking because of COVID, no fans in the stands, that there could not be much movement in the cap. Um, it's it's going to be an awkward situation because of not only that, but then you have – these players signing these record deals and it's like where do you meet in the middle because there's guys that are going to be the next guy up you know Joe Flacco at one point was the highest paid quarterback in the NFL was he anywhere close to being the best quarterback in the NFL hell no but it's just the way the market goes the supply and demand and the need of a quarterback and you know those types of players and it's going to be weird I don't know how it's going to go but I, I, I totally think that we're going to we might see shorter years 
just so like these players can obtain these contracts, get, you know, big, bigger money than what they're making now, but then also be eligible depending on their age. Of course, you know, you got a 26 year old free agent signs a two year, $40 million deal at 20 years, 20 million a year that they're looking for it, you know, pass rush position, whatever. Then in two years, 2022, they're 28 years old and ready for a new contract. So I think we might see a little bit more of that just shorter years, but the, 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 the annual could be a little bit, maybe the same if not lower, but they'll compensate that on the other side of, of a signing bonus or incentives and stuff like that too. And that's my position. I, I totally agree with you, Will Shorter year. I could see players taking less money just so they can hit when the cap rises again and the money's better. I, th- yeah. I think that's the smart play for all these players, like a Kenny Galladay for who will be a free agent. Chris Godwin, Robinson, he, though he's mistaken 31 or 32, so this might yeah. be one of his last paydays. Lions are about to lose Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. Yep, Matt, and Matt Stafford will get dealt as well. Just what yep. that's, just, that's how the cookie crumbles in this. But anyway, thank y'all for listening. This has been the, the Zone 32 podcast. Follow us on Twitter at NZI Properties. Thanks, and y'all have a great night. Enjoy. See ya. Grant Jake. Zone 32. Only on NeutralZoneInfraction.com. NZI Properties.